feel of light coming to me. Show me what I need to see. Welcome to the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria, an inspirational thought leader that offers transformational perspectives based on my unique experiences as a woman born without arms and legs. I feel like my life has been full of small victories that has led me to discover the greatness within. I believe that there is no summit upon which we reach our greatness. I believe it is a culmination of small victories achieved moment by moment when we turn toward the inward battle where we get to choose despair or hope, misery or miracles, defeat or victory. My goal is to awaken your potential, your purpose, and your power so that you can discover the greatness that lives within you. Think of this podcast as your weekly portion of tools, stories, and teachings that help you reflect on the small victories in your life. Thanks for tuning in and let's begin. Thanks for joining another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. I'm your host, Pauline Victoria. Stepping into and owning your own power is one of the greatest acts of love you can do for yourself and others. Being in full acceptance and love of yourself creates space for others to do the same, live into their fullest potential and purpose. But why do so many shrink back and hide their light? How can we embrace our magnificence with both humility and confidence? Here to talk with us about the power of radical self-acceptance and self-love is Roxanne Hunt. Roxanne is a passionate lifestyle strategist and on-camera personality, transformational happiness coach, host, presenter, speaker, commercial actor, wedding officiant, and communication specialist. She has the certification in coaching, holistic health, and a master's degree in science. Her mission is to inspire and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Her life has been an unfoldment of lessons that we are truly here to love, not only to love others, but to learn deep self-love, self-appreciation, and to truly celebrate all of who we are at our core. This self-love becomes a filter and colors every circumstance, relationship, and event occurring in our life. As the song states by the late and talented Whitney Houston, learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. Roxanne, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, Pauline, I could not be more delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence and your insight and outlook on this idea called self-love. I think we're hearing a lot more of it, especially if you, the listener, are into the personal growth industry at all. Self-love is something that a lot of experts talk about. So I'm excited to take that concept and really digest it in a way that is both philosophical and practical for my listener. I'm going to just dive in with you, Roxanne. One of the things I really love to start with my guests is to get to know them a little bit more because as the great quote says, people don't care what you have to say until they know how much you care. So I want to know your story and really ground this conversation about self-love with your own personal experience. So let's start with who Roxanne Hunt is and why do you have such a passion for helping others love themselves more deeply? Oh, delighted to share with you what's gotten me here on my journey. 
just a little bit about my background. Was born into a lovely family. I was actually adopted, had fantastic parents, very close to my mom, very close to my dad. When I was nine, an unfortunate thing happened to my dad. He was only 48, 49, which was really young. He had a massive brain hemorrhage and stroke, pulling, and he lost his ability to speak. Now, for a little girl who loved her daddy with all her heart, that's devastating. Back then, they didn't have respite care. They didn't have sort of good nursing care to come to the home. Between my mom and I, we were caregivers 24-7. He didn't need to be physically lifted in the beginning, but his IQ and his mentality because of the brain damage was, I would say, like a young child in some areas. So you can't leave a five-year-old unattended for very long and expect nothing's going to happen. This is a while ago. I'm not 25 anymore, so it's a while ago. My mom had to work full-time to put food on the table. They weren't prepared for anything like this to happen. So my mom and I basically became my dad's caregivers, which meant during summer when most kids are home playing, I mean, I did play. None of this is meant to sound like I'm playing the, the violins and singing the blues. I'm just trying to be as as real and raw about it as I can. My summers were spent kind of being with my dad, watching to make sure he didn't do anything goofy. You know, he'd do things like get a pail of water, put it on the stove, thinking that he was heating up potatoes to help my mom with dinner. Just very, very confusing. So my life was all about service. It was all about being independent. My mom was at work during the day. I was at home doing what I could do. My mom was very independent. She would not hear of taking credit cards away from him, putting him in a home, because back then it was a very structured kind of setting, only one choice. She just wouldn't. She loved him too much and just couldn't do it. So that was my childhood. It was filled with love. I always knew my dad loved me and still did. He would smile at me and I could feel him deep down in my heart. And my mom loved me, but honestly, it was a tough life. And what I learned was give, 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 give. That's what I saw my mom do. It ended up years down the road, just building up until it took her life. But she was all about giving. And who can fault someone for giving? It's the most beautiful thing we can do. But it wasn't until I would say my early 20s that I learned, oh, my mom was really good and she loved me. But she wasn't perfect. She had had a terrible, terrible childhood. Again, we're not going to go into the details, but she wasn't very allowing of me to be emotive and to cry. She was very, don't do that number on me. Well, for a little girl, I've always been very empathic, very intuitive, very touchy-feely to be just told to be stoic and keep going. And she had no clue the number it was going to do on me. So mom, I love you and bless you just as you are. I have to say that because I don't want to sound like I'm dissing on anybody. So fast forward to now, it's been a journey. I would say my entire life to learn this deep, deep, deep concept of self-love. And self-love, Pauline, is not just about, oh, take more bubble baths, buy yourself flowers. You know, those are aspects of it that are lovely. And it certainly includes things like that. But I have just come to a point in my life where I just love to celebrate love. I'm a life coach, I have a wedding business. I'm passionate about helping people to celebrate love in different aspects. But what I've learned is, in order for any human being to have a happy, loving, and connected relationship with somebody else, you have to love, honor, and respect yourself first. That's my big takeaway, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing.
So when we don't have self-love and respect for ourselves when we enter into relationship, what are the consequences of not having that as we enter and go deeper into the relationships? For those who may be new to this sort of deep dive into self-love, I don't want it to sound like I'm not saying it's important to help other people or it's not important to have a loving partner who accepts us and loves us just as we are. It really, really is. But it's the old adage, if your well isn't full, you have nothing left to give. And you're always seeking outside of yourself to fill that empty well. How much better is it when we know how to love, respect, and honor ourselves? And we do that every single moment of the day to the best of our abilities and come to the relationship with that gift of fullness and self-love so that the person you're with becomes the most beautiful gift, the most beautiful embellishment. And it's not their job to fill us up. It's nobody's job to fill us up. It's our own job. And I think that's where we miss the boat. I hear so often being a wedding officiant, having done almost 400 weddings, I don't encourage my clients to say things like, you fill me up, you complete me. Because if that's how they're going into the wedding, that is not going into the marriage. That's not a happy ending. It's our job to fill us up. Someone just recently asked us, what's the key or secret to a successful marriage? And we both resoundly believe that part of it, a huge part, is coming to the relationship as both 100 and not having to, as the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, a romantic scene promotes for people. And I often see what happens with people who are givers like that, they become the martyrs. And that is just a terrible, terrible life for them, but for everybody else around them. So what I love about the concept of self-love is it it pulls people out of the victim mentality and puts, puts them in a position of empowerment, true empowerment. So I want to dive into this concept a lot more about self-love because you mentioned some aspects of it, like buying yourself flowers, getting more massages, which all sounds amazing to me too, but that's very surface. And I think a lot of experts come in with those kinds of practices to help promote self-love, but I feel like there's a lot more deep inner work that needs to be done before the flowers and the massages and the spa days. So so wise, yes. So if you could break down the process of how do we come to truly and genuinely love ourselves more deeply, what would be the first thing that we would need to look at as individuals? Let me start by making it really easy. Many of us, especially women, I mean, certainly this is applicable to men. I'm not excluding men from the talk. I'm only speaking from the vantage point of being a woman because that's what I am. So <laughs> I know exactly how it feels, right? Um, we're so used to give to giving. We're programmed to do that because we give birth, we're nurturers, we bring up children. So that is innate within us. But when you keep giving, 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 and you become depleted, there's nothing left to give. So many of us are really good about loving others. We know how to love our spouse. We know what to do to make them happy. We know how to sit down and talk to them. We know how to back off when we've been a little mean to him or short with him. But Pauline, we don't know how to give that back to ourselves. So some practical examples are, do you always say yes? Because people ask you, could you do this? Oh, yes, yes, because you're a giver. Do you want to do this? Oh, yes, yes. 
because you're supposed to say yes. We yes everything because we think it's how people want us to act. But if you keep saying yes and it's not okay, you may not even be honest with yourself that you really don't want to do it. You may have done a head trip on yourself, convincing yourself, this is what I do. This is what women do. This is what a nice person does. That's what a very resentful, depleted, sick, unhappy person does over time. So, you know, in starting this journey of self-love, I always say to my clients, what are the qualities you're looking for in another person? What's important to you? Can we just role play for a minute? Can we do that together? Yeah, yeah, fun. So Pauline, if I said to you, I know that you're happily married and have a great, solid, enduring, wonderful relationship for which I'm thrilled. What things are important to you in a deep romantic connection with another? You can specifically speak about your husband or just in general, whatever. Well, the first thing that comes up for me is a sense of humor. I love to laugh. So I want someone I can have fun with and that, that loves to make me laugh. The other thing is <clears throat> someone who's really family oriented beyond the nuclear family and someone that has integrity, that their word is their bond. There's actual substance behind what they say and promise to others. Beautiful. Thank you. So, and I'll just say a couple of things for me, someone who's compassionate and someone who's a good listener and someone who's kind, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's many traits. We go on for hours listening. So in order to love oneself, all of those traits that you hope for or wish for or want in a partner, it doesn't even have to be a romantic partner. We use that as an example. It can be a girlfriend. It can be with your mom. It can be with your neighbor, anybody. Those are the qualities you have to learn first, how to give to yourself. How many of us sit back and think, I want to date this guy, or I want this relationship, or I want to go for that. That's amazing. But I really need to wait till I'm 10 pounds less. I need to wait till I've got a little more money. I need to wait until, you know, there's always some future date. So we're pretty hard on ourselves and we don't do loving self-talk. One of the things I know that I'm good at is I'm not a name caller never have been, which I'm grateful for. Not that I don't get angry, I do. But I'm really mindful, especially now, about the words that come out of my mouth. But I have to catch myself when I feel I've done something that wasn't up to Roxanne's standard or, oh, that was stupid, you idiot. How non-compassionate and disrespectful and non-loving is that? I would never say that to you. I get teary-eyed thinking about this. I would never say it to you. I wouldn't even say it to my cat. I wouldn't say it to a child. I wouldn't say it to anybody, but that still wants to bubble up sometimes. And I have to just stop myself and say, stop. You literally sometimes have to tell the voice in your head to say, stop and just take a moment and breathe and treat yourself like a four-year-old who didn't know any better, who had a moment where they weren't under composure because, you know, we're sentient, loving human beings. We can't always be stoic and doing the right thing. That's part of the human experience, right? Being who we are and having ups and downs, but coming back to that loving, peaceful, happy place. And, you know, in tandem with that is this idea that being in love with yourself is very selfish. The word selfish has a very negative connotation, but if you look it up and read all of the multiple definitions, I've done this, that there are for selfish, it just really is about dealing with self focusing on self. And if you're not dealing with self, 
who else is? You're either running on some program, you're letting someone else control you, you're doing what they said, you're doing what you're supposed to do. We get to be in charge of ourselves, but the first come from is to really honor this beautiful, unique, lovely, wonderful, one of a kind being on the planet. Because Pauline, there's only one you, there's only one me. We've all got this unique blueprint of who we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to show up as. And I want to just take a moment and comment on those who didn't start from a loving background. I had a rough background, but it was loving. It was filled with love. And I am so grateful for that. But I know many people, many of our listeners didn't have that background. So I want to give some hope that there is room to find a place to, you're never going to forget that. And I just, my heart goes out to you because that's a lot to deal with when you didn't start out feeling loved, appreciated, cherished, cared for. But there comes a time in everyone's life when you have to find a way to give that to yourself and let go of anybody who wasn't that way towards you. I'm here to tell you it's possible. I've worked with many clients and I've seen the worst of circumstances turned around. It's not a matter of sticking your head in the sand. It's a matter of being fully present with your pain and realizing I got to change. I keep having these dysfunctional relationships. This person keeps doing this. They always say when you point forward, the finger's pointing this way because there's another finger pointing back. You've got to go within. And that's where this whole discussion comes up. If you didn't get that foundation to start this lifetime, you've got to find it within yourself. You give it to yourself. Once you find it, never let it go. That's how we shine our light to the world. You said so much good stuff right there. One of the things I want to hit upon is the pain. I love how you said, (laughs) if you're not willing to deal with yourself, who will? (laughs) And I never thought about it that way, but I was like, yeah, she's right. Who will deal with my stuff at the level that I can deal with my stuff? But a lot of us want to put our head in the sand or point the finger at others to not take responsibility for the pain that we feel and not that the pain is at our fault, but it is something that we are now having to deal with, whether it is your fault or not your fault. Often at times it, it is at the, especially as children at the hands of others. Um, and so how do we find the courage to be willing to confront the pain? We want to avoid pain because it's very uncomfortable and it hurts. Pain is a beautiful teacher. When any of us feel pain, whether it's a physical pain, an emotional pain, a memory, whatever it is, it's there for a reason. It's there to be our teacher. We're not meant to be in pain our whole lives. And again, I don't want to minimize any pain that anyone may be going through right now or anyone who feels stuck and can't get past the pain. I want you to know you have my full compassion. It's hard. Some things in life are really hard to go beyond, but it is possible. So what an awful fate to expect someone outside of ourselves. I mean, we, we need to go outside of ourselves for help if we're stuck, because there are many, many, many people that can help us work through that. So I don't want it all to sound like you've just got to be stoic and feel the pain and deal with it. Many of us aren't able to do that. So If the pain is enduring, if it's not going away and you don't feel like your life is getting happier and less burdened, it's time to reach out. You may not find the right person initially, 
you've just got to keep going. It's like anything in life, whether you want to build muscle through working out, whether you want to be a good chef, whether you want to enter triathlon, you just have to keep going. So my first thing is be tenacious. That pain is there. It's still sort of tapping you on the shoulder saying, keep going. It's not, it's not cleared yet. And the other thing I want to add on to this is, is that I learned this long time ago and it's powerful. We have so many layers of stuff that we need to let go of and so much pain deep within, most of us do, that if we were able to just take an hour and do a meditation and let all of it go, the pain would overcome us to the point that we might not even live anymore. It's that deep and there's that much. So the human ego, which we all kind of demonize and say, I don't want to have an ego. Oh, be grateful you've got an ego because it's what keep you, it's what's keeping you alive right now in many ways. It's your protective and safety mechanism. Your ego will only let you flush out as much pain as it can in the moment. So it's an ongoing process. And you may think, I had this experience years ago with my ex-husband. I thought I was all healed. It'd been like eight years and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm over that. One little thing came up. It wasn't even anything he said or did because I chose to not be in touch with him anymore. It was something someone else said. And I all of a sudden felt this feeling of negative emotion towards him. And I thought, whoa. Where did that come from? So that was my indicator. I get to look at that so that I can release whatever needs to be released so I can move forward and join in love. I'm not sure if I answered your question. That was a bit of a ramble, but that, that's, I needed to say that. I want to make two points based on what you said. One, I would really encourage you, if you're listening to this, as you're trying to find somebody to help you move through the pain and confront your pain, to not let it be somebody that you know, not a family or a friend that you have in your life currently, but a coach. That's why there's people like Roxanne who are coaches, you know? So perhaps Roxanne is a potential coach to help you move from pain to self-love and acceptance so you can start having this beautiful and happy life that you absolutely deserve. The other thing that I wanted to touch upon based on what you said is that you're uncomfortable anyway. The pain is making you feel yucky. It's holding you back. It's keeping you paralyzed from trying new things. It's sabotaging your current relationships. So the pain is already doing its part to make you uncomfortable. If we think about having the courage to confront our pain, think about that. Like if you're going to be uncomfortable anyway, at least have the discomfort be productive <laughs> in a way. This is something that I want to encourage you as a listener to really look at and get honest with yourself. If you're going to be in discomfort and discontent anyway, then use that discomfort and discontent to make a change. Do you want to speak to that at all, Roxanne? I do. I want to share a quick example. I really wanted to be clear when I was going to ask for a divorce that it was the right thing to do. And I had many, many people that I could reach out to, but I did just what you said. I made a conscious choice to not go to someone who already knew me and already loved me. So back then we didn't have Google and Siri and all these places where you say, Google, tell me a you know psychotherapist in my area or tell me a relationship counselor in my area. I opened up the old fashioned phone book and I just asked my inner wisdom to help guide me to the right person. I contacted a therapist and I went and it was so important to me to go to somebody who didn't already know me and love me. I wanted her perspective on it. 
And that's speaking to your point about not going to someone you already know and love. It's not that they can't be a value or wouldn't love to help, but it was one of the best things that I ever did because she didn't know me. She didn't baby me. She didn't, oh, honey, I didn't want self-pity. I didn't want somebody to tell me what to do. I just wanted her to listen. Then I was clear to make my own decision from that. So you're so right, Pauline. There are so many wonderful people to help. And it might take more than one person. Don't go to one person and have it not be successful and feel like, see, I tried and it didn't work. Tenacity, keep going. The answer's there for you. Just keep going. That pain is telling you to keep going. Yeah, I love the saying pain means pay attention. I'm just going to back up and, and try to reiterate the steps we went through. One, on this journey of self-love, the first step would be to start paying attention to what qualities we want in another person to identify what qualities we love about ourselves or what that we want to improve and how we talk about ourselves. Like if, you know, if we do something that is a mistake or we fail at something, do we self-criticize? Do we have negative self-talk about who we are? Um, and how to reframe things in our lives that allow us to see ourselves in the way others see us, in the way we see others. And then to start having the courage to confront the pain. And so once someone has done a lot of that inner work, what would the next step be in, on this journey to self-love? Well, the one thing I want to mention is when you're on this journey to self-love, Pauline, and you're heading in the right direction, guess what's going to happen? You're going to feel so much lighter, so much happier. Start having compassion for yourself. And it's a really beautiful place to be. So you just become very conscious and very aware. If you and I were together and it was your birthday, I would probably want to cook for you or take you out. I would find out what would make you happy. So those are the questions and the self-reflection that we start doing to ourselves. What would make me happy? Sometimes we don't even know how to answer that because we're so disconnected from how we feel and what would make us happy. Here's another example of that. I used to love getting flowers. And when I was married, I didn't have them given to me very often. One of the first things I decided to do when I got divorced is every week or most weeks, I'm going to buy myself flowers. Maybe I won't buy red roses because that's the flower of love. This is my self-talk but I get to have flowers. And every week since I've been divorced, that's exactly what I do because flowers make me happy. Why did I need to wait for someone? And he didn't give me flowers every week because he thought they would be meaningless. It wasn't that he was withholding. In his mind, if I keep giving flowers, they're not going to mean anything. So guess what? I get to give myself flowers now. So I bring this up because it's an ongoing discussion. You don't just sit down for 10 minutes and write all the answers out. Keep asking yourself, in this moment and the foreseeable future, what would make me happy? Not what should I do? Because the way you should on yourself is very different from what's truly going to make my soul happy. And to start doing those things. Once you start doing things that fulfill you and make you happy, you start learning more about what your purpose is. And the more you do that, the happier you become and the more self-love you have. And the more love you have within, the more you have without to share. It is such a beautiful concept. Oh, thank you so much for letting me share all this. I'm passionate. About it. Mm, thank you. I know if you're listening to this, you can't see Roxanne's face, but it is absolutely glowing. And it, you could see the true, genuine desire to help others love themselves. Like I said at the beginning, with humility and confidence. You mentioned the ego is good, but I can imagine it can 
get self-inflating if we tip the scales too far. Can you just speak to that really quick? Because I want to be sure that people understand the difference between true, genuine self-love and uh, things that might be mistaken for self-love. Like, oh yeah, I love myself. I'm amazing. And I can do no wrong. That kind of like false self-image. <laughs> so if you can speak to that really quick, that would be wonderful. You'll know when you're there because your friends will stop being your friends when you start doing those <laughs> comments about how wonderful you are. And the cool thing is, Pauline, when you love yourself that much, it shows. You don't have to tell anybody those things. So it's okay to say in your head, my gosh, I'm amazing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. That was really, really good. Almost like you would say that to a friend who'd accomplished something or even a small victory, just what the podcast is called. Those small victories, honor that. And the more self-love you have and self-appreciation, you just have this vibe about you. People feel that. So it's not about going around boasting how wonderful you are. There's no need for that because you wouldn't want someone that you love to be going around doing that. That doesn't feel good. So it's just an inherent energy, the self-love. And I'm telling you, it shows. So you don't need to go crazy. You might write out statements of affirmation about I'm beautiful, I'm lovely. And if anyone gives me a compliment that I used to deflect, oh, I could have taught a class on how to deflect a compliment. Now I can say, thank you so much. That means everything to me. And I know they feel heard. I feel heard. And it makes both of us feel wonderful. So just be lovely, you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And thank you for bringing that up. I, yes, I have been the same way. I was a professional at deflecting any attention to myself. And, you know, but for me, it was, because I was afraid others would feel less bright if the shot light shone on me or light shone through me. So I was very concerned in that, you know, is another form of giving in a way, but it's giving away yourself and the recognition that is due to you if people see it. I was actually walking through a store the other day with my niece and this girl, probably about 15 years old, we come around the corner and she's like, oh my gosh, you guys are beautiful. And I was like, oh, thank, thank you. And I was taken so aback by the comment because it was just almost like a, a beautiful surprise for her and to be able to receive that. And also to not feel the need necessarily to placate it by saying, oh my gosh, you are too, but to fully be in receiving mode and not that she wasn't beautiful, but at the same time, are we able to fully receive without feeling the need to give back? Oh, you're so wise. And that, that's huge. And I finally, it's only taken me, I'm not going to tell you how many years, many, many years to be in that place where I can fully receive and not feel I have to, or somebody gives me a gift and I freak out because I didn't have a gift to give them. Life is about giving and receiving. It's this endless, it's a beautiful flow. And both of those sides of life to make life full and rich and beautiful need to be in operation. So what a beautiful thing to receive from others. What a beautiful thing to give to others. And what a beautiful thing to give to yourself so you can give to others. It's just so beautiful. I want that for everybody. Everybody deserves that. It's your birthright to be happy and to love yourself. Here are this episode's takeaways. 
For us to have a happy, loving, and connected relationship with others, we first have to love and honor ourselves. If your well isn't full, you have nothing left to give, and you will always be seeking outside of yourself to fill that emptiness. Ask yourself what qualities you're looking for in a person to identify what you want to improve on in yourself. If you're not dealing or focusing on yourself, who else is? When you truly love yourself, it will show. You don't have to prove anybody anything. Are you able to fully receive without feeling the need to always give back? Just loving yourself. You were born to love and be loved. I think it's in Moulin Rouge. I remember watching that movie and I remember them saying that we were all born to love and be loved and in our fullest expression. And I feel like if we can come into our life, come into our world with this beautiful, humble way of saying, this is who I am with confidence, with sincerity, with authenticity, it really does allow us to live into our fullest potential and in our purpose. And I love that Marianne Williamson quote where she talks about how when we let our light shine, we give people permission to allow their light to shine as well. And I don't know what greater gift we could give somebody than that. And so when we can step into our life, step into the world, shining our light, as bright as you want to shine your light, then you can be truly victorious. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Small Victories Podcast. And until we meet again, be blessed. Angel of light, come into me. Show me what I need to see. You are my pathway into the light. Lead me from shadows to Smile